Because when you hear that sound high atop Area 51, you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I am the Dome, watching the UFOs whiz by, and we have a full house for you tonight. From the Austin Brighton Hellmouth, we have Kriana and the Sombrarian. Hello. And from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, we have Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Hello. Now, wouldn't hey. she be the undead redhead? I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and from somewhere out near Indiana, we have Awake by Java. Hello there, everyone. My God. What do we got, like 90 gazillion people? I think we have well, one more. Everyone yeah, I know shows up when we've got a great guest. Oh, uh, and our guest tonight is the wonderful, the beautiful... Jess Hartley from White Wolf Games. Hi, Jess. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey. 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 And Jess is going to be with us for the full hour. For a while, we're going to be talking about some other stuff, and then we're going to talk about her stuff for the rest of the show. So uh, put on your seatbelts, cats and kidneys. We're in for an interesting night. Before we get to Jess, and and feel free to just uh, jump in at any time with anything you have to say. we got some stuff going on in the world of television, in the world of comics. Um, I think uh, the most important thing that happened in television this week was uh, Dollhouse came to an end. Yes, indeed. Uh, Another uh, Joss Whedon series has bit the dust. Yeah, but this one did it in a really classy way. I gotta tell you. Yes. Being canceled? Yeah. Well, I suppose. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> hey, but at look. least at least it got canceled and it and it ended on I think Joss Whedon's terms. Yes. I think oh. he was prepared for this, and I think that the end that came about was probably exactly what he wanted. Okay, here's the non-spoiler spoiler for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Do not see episode 13 of season two until you go out and see the unaired episode 13 from season one. Well, now, wait a minute. We, all right, X and Red Deadhead here did not see that missing episode from season one, but we did see last night's episode, and we got everything just fine. I know you did, but it's so much better if you have the other (laughs) stuff, too. (sighs) No, Avatar is much better with the glasses. <laughs> hey, it is. <laughs> Have you noticed that? It really is. <laughs> Do they give it a plot? You can. I mean, I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, altering substances of the mind aside, without the glasses, it really kind of sucks. And it's uh, kind of like Willy Wonka. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> hey. You know, but... Um, Titanic was the same way. It was much better if you were drunk. 
Java, Titanic, you're a guy. Why did you see that? Who brought you? <laughs> uh, Ow! Oh, sexism rears. Glad to say, I'd have yet to see that film. You know, you know. Honestly, it, it was a it was an okay movie um, for a while, <laughs> but um, especially because of, of exactly what Avatar did, uh, Titanic did the same thing for computer animation, and it was an unbelievable experience to see. James Cameron do something with the technology he had available at the time. Avatar is the same way. I think in hindsight and because of the hype, um, Titanic was a little bit overblown. And I think Avatar, we're going to look back at Avatar the same, the same way. Uh, yeah. I think but, we're going to look back at it and say, well, I've only got $500 million to spend here, so we can't afford a script. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, though, Go for it. <laughs> I don't know. I think they had a script that had been proven, tried and true, by several other movies beforehand. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were breaking into new technology. They didn't want to go too far and actually have a new plot or anything. That would have been crazy. I do think that I do think that the heroine in Avatar was more attractive than the heroine in Fern Gully, though. Although that might have been. <laughs> yes. That that might have been the fact that the Fern Gully heroine was animated and uh, what three inches tall. <laughs> no, bigger is not. bigger is better. Okay. <laughs> way off track. Way 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 the hell off track here, guys. <laughs> no. So, and this all ties into dollhouse. <laughs> <laughs> this all ties into dollhouse because, and here's why. Here's here's my thinking. Uh oh. Last season. Season one, Joss was never really sure there was going to be a season two. He shot that 13th episode. Figuring that when it went to DVD, that would be the closure. And maybe he might get it on to to, uh, the network somehow. When season two came up, he realized he still had a really good ending, but there was more he could do with it. So if you watch that ending from season one at the end of season two and then watch episode 13 from season two, you get a really complete sense of closure to it. It's really good. Not that what we saw last night wasn't outstanding, because it was. And, I mean, the word all over is that why is it every time Joss has a season, a series canceled that those last four or five episodes just you know, kick the crap out of everything else. He does do that. Messing with them. I, I think. I think, like some people, including myself, he does better under pressure. Maybe. I don't know. I think I you thought, may be right. I just thought it was nice to see all of the Joss regulars on there last night. Boy, was it! It was. Re- I mean, everybody, including Alan Tudyk, made it into the final episode. Yep. Which was awesome. God, he's awesome. Yeah. He's so cool. <laughs> I, love I, I, I so loved him in Firefly. Oh. And then in Serenity, yeah. he, when he died in Serenity, I just remember sitting there. Spoiler. Him and like, oh, come <laughs> on. No, that's been out for years. Now. <laughs> you have no excuse, X. No yeah. excuse. Really. <laughs> you know, you also. No, I'm saying there's excuse. always someone listening. There's always someone listening who's like, 
He's dead? Then shame on them. That's it. I mean, I'm no. Tired. That's their punishment no. for having not seen it in the last no, three seriously. years. seriously. I remember when I was five years old reading a, a Charlie Brown comic, and they had a whole or thing about Citizen Kane and Rosebud and the sped <laughs> and all that. And when I finally saw Citizen Kane in college, I was like, damn you, Charles Schultz. I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> And okay, then that is he died. <laughs> that is possible. That's Charlie Brown's story I've heard since uh, the Christmas tree. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Sci-Fi Saturday Night for concise dialogue <laughs> <laughs> on our talk. What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> uh, I think it was... How did we get into Charlie yeah. Brown and, and Citizen Kane, for God's sake? Uh, oh. Well, See, they're all oh. old things, so I'm guessing it was X. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, for once, I wasn't tagged as that. That's right. I forgot. When you saw Avatar and you saw those things in the tubes, you were like, I remember. I was just there. I was just being grown in the tube. Wow, as a comeback, that that was really... Yeah, that's pretty weak. And, uh, well, this is not the highest quality <laughs> oh, one I've the ever had. Dead redhead so. even says it was weak. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it's unanimous. I'm right. Everybody's wrong. So moving on. That, that, I got out of so, the conversation. I, my the, there was a good article in the newspaper today about uh, Dollhouse, and they said that. The, the, the reviewer said he knew Dollhouse was never going to make it because everyone was hyping it as the new Joss Whedon show. And he says, when you have a cult of personality built around a show, it tends to flop. And he, he pointed out Stephen Bochco and a few others. A and popper? do you feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, there's a really good example of how things can go bad real quick. <laughs> Right, but I mean, granted, I think a lot of people, I mean, I gave uh, Dollhouse that first season because it was Joss Whedon, because I knew the good stuff would eventually get there. But if that was anyone else, I would have switched it off after the first few episodes. The first few episodes were horrible. But you know what? This is the same argument that we've been having for years. But you know what? No, wouldn't Somebody's still watching Sanctuary. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Someone is. It's Someone not. has to be. Because it's still not. on the air. And figure that one out, please. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What we what we keep failing to understand is some of the biggest hits that have ever been on television, genre or not, have sometimes taken one or two full seasons before they caught their stride. Yeah. The have you ever gone back and looked at Babylon 5's first series? Oh first my season? God! No, no that first season, Babylon Five. Yeah, but see, not, I mean, but, but the genius of Straczynski with that was that he said, "All right, I have designed it so that season one will suck." <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna have to remember that for all my future works. <laughs> you have to buy the three book trilogy because I've designed it so the first novel sucks. <laughs> but then, oh boy, are you gonna get some good stuff? But now, but now. We're you got to lay down fertilizer. We're in such a culture shock society. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, brings us to next week's special Philip K. Dick. Be with us an hour about Philip K. Dick. Wait, oh, I next cannot week? wait. Yes. 
Uh, oh. It's such a culture shock now that if something doesn't immediately strike that chord, then it's tossed away like so much kipple. And that's ridiculous. Well, it's well never you know, though. Been that way in the past, and that's the reason nothing good is happening now. Ted Sturgeon oh, was. You know, I, I don't. I don't think that I agree with you about that because I think that it means that the market is very competitive, and I think more more now than ever, the people in charge of programming for whatever network know that unless something grabs an a significant audience right away, it's not going to do well. They can't exactly. afford. They can't afford to assume that that a show is going to hit its stride if it doesn't in the first season. Well, not only. Can they afford to? By not doing it, they're tossing out a lot of good stuff that, no, they're not going to regret because they're just moving on. They don't even care. And that's the real issue. Ted Sturgeon's second law of life is 90% of everything is shit. If it no, wasn't... Just lost the you, Midwest with that. It's okay. <laughs> If it wasn't, you wouldn't know what the good stuff is. But television has done that for a long time, Dome. Wouldn't you agree? Even in the 60s, as far back as the 60s, television did that. Actually, that's kind of a recent development over the past 10 to 15 years. If you look at shows like Seinfeld, the first season of Seinfeld was horrible, ratings-wise. The Mm. second season was marginal. It wasn't until the third season that it caught. Same with All in the Family. Two, two series that are fairly seminal in terms of, you know, making their mark in television history. Obviously non-genre, but nonetheless, the, you know, it's not, they're not the exception that makes the rule. They are, in fact, the rule. You that's how... It, I but, think- but, uh, but that's that's like saying that it shouldn't change because... You know, it's been working. I don't think it's been working for the networks. Also, I think that Joss has been, like, shopping his stuff or has just, you know, put his stuff to the wrong network. I mean, let's think about it for a minute. His last super successful show was Buffy and Angel, right? Yeah. I can't disagree with that. So why not shop something to the CW? I mean, obviously that network made... A crap load of money as the WB off of Buffy and Angel. They're sure probably still it. making huh? money off of it. So right. wouldn't they be the ones to say, have a few seasons to play and see what happens? Uh, you certainly got a better chance of it there or someplace like FX or TNT or, or something like that. Then he's going to have. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not go for sci fi. They have Sanctuary. But they also have Warehouse 13. But they do. That's you know what? They're getting better. And there's actually, I, I flagged this on io9. Let me find it. They're having a contest. I'm not sure if it's directly io9 related or if it is um, on the Sci Fi Channel page. But they're having a contest to name one of their Saturday night movies. Oh, yes. Oh, I no. did see that. Mansquito! <laughs> Everybody drink. <laughs> All right, drinking oh. game tonight for those of you listening in or uh, repotting us will be any bad name for a sci-fi channel movie. 
All right, sci-fi.com slash movie contest. We've got the monster and the mayhem. All we're missing is the title. Oh, good Lord. Yes, so a knight uh, uh, leads his men script. home from the Holy Land, but the relic he's carrying bears a terrible curse. I've got it. Oh, I got it. Oh, go <laughs> ahead, Don. I'm going for the Holy Terror. <laughs> I, I can top it. Go ahead. Curse Blanca. Oh. <laughs> oh. It was it a knight like an actual like knight templar or something? Yes, totally. <laughs> and, and, and I have yeah. a I have one. I have one. The unholy grail. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Now you realize all of our listeners are gonna run over to this contest and be like, oh, these are great. Oh, I can't believe they're throwing them away. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> even better, not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> really. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Prevent Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. So we have a guest. Tonight. <laughs> Hi Jess, how are you? Hi, I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? Although I think you kind of lost me at the mosquito thing. <laughs> so when we used to be a radio show, and I think we'll be explaining this every other episode until we die. Yeah, when but, we're on terrestrial radio. Oh yes. All the way up in day. Cow Hampshire. Um, there there was a TV in the studio, and on Saturday nights we'd have it tuned to the Sci-Fi Channel, where invariably they would have a horrendous original movie. Yes. They're horrible, but they're yes. so bad, they're funny. My husband loves them. The Viking is a... It, the, the worse the movie is, the more he likes it. And, and I will really- walk past and go... What are you watching? <laughs> and why? <laughs> but he loves them, so. And he would probably really like the one, the most memorable one that we ever saw, which was, I believe, their take on the fly. It was called yeah. Mosquito. Yes, yes. Which was funny because it's not even the male mosquitoes that bite. So <laughs> I always thought that was kind of strange. Yes, exactly. From my science geek point of view. Oh, well, that uh, warms my molecular uh, biology heart. well for those of (laughs) for those of you who are wondering who our guest is jess hartley you are a novelist editor game designer and developer fiction writer and all-around wordsmith according to your website according to my website if you're yes. willing to believe that, then yes. Oh, 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 we, we don't believe the hype. <laughs> we want to get to know the real Jess Hartley. So, oh dear. Oh yes. Please tell us who you are, what what you are known for, and what your upcoming projects are, please, and in oh. uh, fifteen words or less. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hated mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see, for the last almost 10 years now, I've been working mostly in the role-playing game industry. Um, I've worked predominantly with White Wolf Games, although I've had the pleasure recently to work with Margaret Weiss Productions on their uh, Supernatural RPG supplement um, called Supernatural Adventures. It just came out a month or two ago, um, which was awesome because I'm a big Supernatural fan. I adore Supernatural. Well, you'll have to check out the role-playing game. It's 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 very cool to be able to actually play um, the the characters, or you can actually make your own characters with the similar genre. 
Um, so you can either play, you know, literally play Sam and Dean Winchester, or you can, you know, create your own characters who are living similar lives and, and that sort of thing. So that show is so meta. I bet they incorporate the game into the show. I hope so. Oh gosh, wouldn't that be fantastic? Because I mean, they've had a fan convention of themselves on the show, so well, like, and they kind of did. They did do an RPG on the fan convention show. Sure, they did, did have they? a sort of murder mystery. Like, I like how I can look smart about Supernatural, even though that's the episode I've seen. I know, I know. I'm the one that watches it. But... <laughs> I would love that to, if if Jared and Jensen, you know, listen to you, to the show. Yeah, totally. I'll I'll, I'll drop your characters for you. Um, wow, that was totally geeky. I'm sorry. Nice. Oh, why are you sorry? <laughs> wow, who would have thought that would be happening on this show? I can't. <laughs> and speaking of geeks, I also run a um, I run a weekly advice and etiquette column for geeks on my website called One Geek to Another. Um, let's see what else. Um, I do advice for people who are interested in getting involved in the role playing game. Uh, world professionally and um, I'm currently working on revising an original novel and I've got um, a, I'm still under non-disclosure agreement so I can't mention any names yet but next week uh, one of the um, newest role-playing game companies, fairly major role-playing game company, is uh, going to be announcing that they've hired me to write a series of short fiction works to complement their game system. So Ooh. I'm very excited about that. Ooh, you heard maybe it here I'm, first. <laughs> maybe I'll sneak, I'll, I'll sneak you guys, once the announcement's made, uh, uh, a link to the website so you can share it. With awesome. Folks. That, that would, would be wonderful. wonderful. And uh, let's see. Oh, and in March, um, I'm, I'm out here in the Southwest. Um, actually, I'm probably closer to Area 51 than most of you guys are. Um, and, uh, but I do, I, I love uh, New England and the East Coast, and I'm going to get a chance to go out there again in March. Um, I'm one of the guests for ICON, which is a fantastic science fiction convention, um, gaming, all kinds of interesting stuff going on there out at um, Stony Brook in New York, which I believe, my geography is not really great with New York, but I believe that's on Long Island. Yes, it is. Awesome. Look at that. I won't get lost. It's <laughs> <laughs> a small island. There's not many people there. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it should be okay. It should be okay. At least I'm in the right part of the state. Just wow. wonders upstate New York looking for the convention. <laughs> as long as you don't end up near Love Canal, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, uh, Jess, you do a lot of work on RPGs, and, uh, and of course, that's an area that most of us are in some way interested. So uh, you've been working with White Wolf Games uh, for a while, um, which does the World of Darkness series and, and a whole bunch of associated content that goes along with that. Um, you, your first novel was in the Exalted setting, right? Yes, exactly. In Northern Twilight came out in, I believe, 2003, 2004. Um, it was my first uh, professional novel-length publication and my first actual role-playing game work. I, I kind of came into working in the industry backwards. A lot of people you know, start working on the games and the supplements and that sort of thing and work their way up to... Um, being able to to write novel length work, and I, I kind of came at it the other way. My novel length work eventually led to me working on games and supplements and that sort of thing over the last few years. So, what do you 
uh, spend the majority of your time doing while working with White Wolf? Do you you do you work on supplements or, or core stuff or what? Yeah, historically, over the last oh gosh, I guess about seven years now. Um, I worked on supplements for the first couple of years. Um, I had the pleasure of working on some supplements for Forsaken, Werewolf the Forsaken, uh, and then Promethean. And um, then I had the pleasure uh, three years ago to be brought in to work on the core project for Changeling the Lost, which was so much fun because I'm a big fairy tale and mythology uh, folklore fan. Um, so to be able to come in and, and work on that was kind of a dream project for me because it's very closely tied to a lot of the um, archetypal you know, mythology themes and that sort of thing. And I worked on both the core book and supplements on that. And then over the last couple of years, I've worked on each of the core books that have come out, um, Hunter the Vigil, and then this year, last year in, at August at Gen Con, we released Geist the Sin Eaters. Um, so, Would, yeah, I've gotten a chance to do a lot of different... Do you find working uh, on, on role-playing material different than working on novel-length work? Uh, and oh, Definitely. Definitely, in part because um, when you're working on a novel-length work, it's predominantly a solitary process. You're you're working on crafting. You have you know a hundred thousand words or so to craft an entire story arc, and it's and it's all your baby. Um, even if you're working media tie-in work, like my gaming novel was, where you're working in an established universe with established canon characters, you're still. The, the majority of the of the plot and how everything you know is going to go from one place to another is is your work when you're working on a supplement at least for a company like white wolf there are usually between three and sometimes up to a dozen other writers working on the same project you are so you may have 10,000 words here and 10,000 words there and they've got 20,000 words in the middle so there's got to be a lot more collaboration on it do you find that you enjoy working collaboratively with other writers? Well, it depends upon the writer. <laughs> like, like, any, uh, like any project, um, you know, you're, you're, there's people that you really work in tune with and people whose working styles are very, very different than yours. But I did have the pleasure of, over the course of the time that I've been working with White Wolf to, to really make some strong connections. And there are definitely teams that... Um, where the, the developers learned, you know, these authors work really well together. They will stay in contact on the project and their styles work really well together. It's one of the biggest challenges of having a, a project like, say, Changeling the Lost. There were, I think, 10 or 14 different authors on it. And yet when you read the book, you want it to read as if it was one person writing it, not like it's very schizophrenic and, you know, there were a whole bunch of different voices. So eventually you learn, you know, who you work well with and who you don't and, and that sort of thing. One of the great things about White Wolf's RPG materials, and I'm not familiar with Changeling or, or Hunter or Geist, uh, mm -hmm. I haven't gotten a chance to look at them yet, um, is that their system is really easy to get into and easy to adapt to your own, uh, your own desires as far as how you want to play. You're obviously an experienced role player and uh, a game master too, correct? 
Um, I I am a very experienced role player. I'm not as experienced with game mastering as a lot of uh, game writers are. I've always had the the good fortune of uh, ha of being in an area where there was someone who absolutely loved to storytell. Um, and I also do a lot of LARPing, um, which is live action role play, where you're actually doing the costuming and the makeup, more like a, a kind of um, midway between improvisational theater and uh, tabletop role play. And in those cases, you've got a much higher player to storyteller ratio. So you may have, instead of one storyteller and five players, you'll have maybe 40 players with one or two storytellers. So there's a, a, a less focus on the storytelling aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big old storytelling gamer geek. <laughs> Ditto. Um, then I would, like to, I would like to ask you a question about the, the news that White Wolf uh, came out with it at their, um, their I, it's a convention, right? It was the uh -huh. ICC. It's ICC, International Cambria Convention. Uh-huh. Uh, they they talked a lot about the future of, of the, their company and their desire to, to make things more accessible and usable by players, especially online and, and digitally. What mm -hmm. do you think of that? Um, I think it's wonderful. I think that over the last few years, we've seen some really fantastic innovations with PDF products and multimedia products. Um, some of the uh, electronic-only products that have came out the last few years through White Wolf um, have incorporated like the... Uh, Oh, I've completely forgotten the name. A collection of horrors, I believe, is what it was called. Um, incorporated sound bites into the PDF files and and that sort of thing. And I, I think that it's really fantastic to be involved with a company that's willing to look forward and see what can be done to enhance the role-playing experience um, using modern technology and do it in a way that's still affordable and reliable and accessible to their to their players and their audience. I wonder where Java, I wonder where you're going with this. Huh. Well, I, <laughs> Well, I've got a couple of things, but but I can't help but but um, but talk about how the future has 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 come to to pass because mm -hmm. this week, and I know that no one's heard of this because it's been very uh, shallowly covered by the media. But a certain a certain company, a small startup in in Cupertino, announced a uh, a device oh. that they're calling the iPad. Oh. And, and it seems to be uh, science fiction to me. Uh, this, I, I think we saw something like that on Star Trek, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we kind of did, actually. And, uh, and a number of other um, of science fiction's great stories. <laughs> but um, I, I hadn't even thought about it until I, I heard that you were coming on as a guest this week. Um, how, how do you think that, I mean, we already see a, a lot more at the RPG table. Uh, people bringing in their laptops and and doing things digitally. How do you think that the, the this new iPad is going to change tabletop gaming? Wow, um, I, you know I'm not really certain. Um, I'm I'm not the technology uh, part of our partnership. Luckily, my my husband does that for a living, so I get the privilege of being kind of an end user. Um, I think that it's fantastic, both uh, from aspects of the um, like the the ebook aspect of it. Um, 
that, that companies are making strides forward to make those sorts of things um, accessible and to increase their efficiency and their usability. And I think that that inherently could be a very positive thing for the gaming industry. I know a lot of folks like to bring their laptops or that sort of thing to LARPs or conventions and uh, be able to have access to, you know, all 100 of their game books at the touch of a finger as opposed to have to lug you know, 300 pounds of books along with them. Um, and I'm hoping that in the future we'll be able to incorporate more and more aspects of it so that things will become easier to use and that sort of thing. And I think that things like the iPad are a great step that way. It's, it's light and, um, you know, it's at, at least at the starting um uh, you know the the stripped down model, the the four ninety nine model is getting to the point where it's it's comparable with you know some other easily accessible technology like iPods and and that sort of thing. Um, I think that it's just the first step, and I think that over the next five or ten years we'll see it become more some more something like um, well, I mean like cell phones. You know, twenty years ago you know, who had them, not, not everyone now, you know, third graders have them. And, you know, I think that over the next few years that technology will continue to just grow in leaps and bounds in ways that we probably can't even predict how it'll, how it'll affect, uh, you, you know, know it, gaming or anything else. It's funny because I remember about, I don't know, when I was, uh, 17 or 18, not a word, Kriana. <laughs> 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 and, and there were these tabletop video games, you know, and you would go like to a pizza place and there would be like Ms. Pac-Man or Frogger built in oh, sure. with the sheet of glass right on the table. Yeah, you'll you still see them every once in a while, but, but they're like antique stuff. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, the, what the iPad could do conceivably for RPGs as we're talking about, you know, putting sound effects and, and other things into the PDF files that they're doing, it could actually change it into a table, a true tabletop game to some Interesting, degree. interesting. I think one of the things that I'm most excited about the potential for is how it's going to affect board game playing remotely. Um, because I think especially with the touchpad uh, screen, it could make... Things like Settlers of Catan or Carcassonne or, you know, those, those very geeky board games that so many of us really enjoy um, open up the opportunity for really interfacing um, remotely and playing over the Internet um, and having it feel much more like, much less like a video game and much more like you were sitting there playing the video right. game the game with someone that's interesting Jess, because i just found out today that settlers of Catan was released for iphone today oh really i was gonna say jess um when when that's true you're totally invited to our game night (laughs) thank you you. i would love that i i live in a very very small remote town in arizona i live in bisbee um interesting interesting great little town great place to visit but there's it, it's kind of remote in terms of uh, you know the the geek uh, population and that sort of thing, and we're about two hours from the nearest big town. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Sounds I'm, like. I'm very, I'm very pro uh, things that make uh, geek get-togethers better online. I would love to see the iPad come out with something like um, video camera so that it could actually be a portable um, video phone device. I would love to use it for Skype and, and that sort of thing and actually be able to, you know, to have that kind of contact um, when I'm traveling and that sort of thing. I was kind of sad to hear that it didn't have the camera built in. Oh, just wait for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll come out in version 2.0 or 3.0, or whatever. <laughs> and the so we'll, we'll the all have to go buy them again. Yep. Of course. Isn't that, it. that's the Steve Jobs way of making it but, happen, isn't but it? But you know what? You know what? I was, I was blown away. There was a, I'm not sure if it's a, it's a user mashup or if it's actually the uh, commercial for the iPad, but I was, I, I saw this YouTube video of all of the science fiction from since um, since way back, I mean, we're talking you know 2001, a space odyssey, that kind of uh, all of the video clips of people using these devices, these news devices, the and oh. all of a sudden it's there in our hand. And yep. science fiction, science fact comes true once again. One more time, I still want a jet. Actually, NASA's making a jetpack right now. It's my freaking flying car. <laughs> I knew you were jetting car, man. That's it. <laughs> I just want a teleporter. <laughs> All right, hey, listen, uh, we're running late for our trivia question tonight. For those of you listening in, and get redhead tonight. The trivia question is all yours, honey. Well, thank you, Dome. Always good to work with you, dear. Oh, uh, thank you. Go for it, hon. Tonight, the trivia question is, what famous Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania horror host appeared in Night of the Living Dead? That's the original by George Romero, the black and white one. And to give you a little hint, his daughter ended up being the star of Day of the Dead, also by George Romero. And Kriana, what are we giving away for the lucky trivia winner tonight? This is a really good one. I've been saving this one for a rainy day. This prize is awesome. It is a beautiful, glossy print of Luke and Yoda on Dagobah by Art O'Callaghan, who was our neighbor at Comic-Con back in, what, October? And he just has the most phenomenal paintings that I think I have ever seen. And I really mean, beautiful stuff. When yeah. you think of Dagobah, you think gray, green, maybe a little bit of yellow. Moldy. Yeah, (laughs) yucky, swampy, disgusting. But he painted this picture in such gorgeous shades of blue and orange, and it just pops, but it doesn't look odd. It still looks like Dagobah, but it's so vibrant that it's it's just phenomenal. So if you go up on the website and find the trivia post, um... There's a picture of this print. I'm not exactly sure of the dimensions of it. Dom, do you know the dimensions? Freaking huge. <laughs> Freaking huge, but, but large. Um, like, like I said, I, I could not think of a more vibrant rendition Kriana and of Dagobah. I, in fact, loved it so much that we bought a copy that we're going to frame and put in our living yes. room as soon as we find a framer we like. We we do own this painting. Well, a print of it, anyway. And it's glossy, too, which not many of them are. All right, now, please, do not answer on our Twitter post. Do not answer on our Facebook page. 
answer only on our website, SciFiSaturdayNight.com. That's where we are. Otherwise, you can't win. Yeah, otherwise we're going to have to disregard your answer, which would be darned unfortunate. Yes, it would. And then the villagers will come with the torches again. Dun, 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 dun. I thought we were going to send the Zombrarian after them. Um, Maybe you both could go after them. You're kind of like the same sort of deal, right? Zombarian and the dead redhead will go after them. Yeah. Well, no, wait. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Okay, where were we at? Well, I I do, uh, as we have an RPG diva in the house, um, I did want to talk about one thing. I found out uh, just recently that Wizards is dropping the Star Wars Saga edition, including their miniatures line. What? Uh, they are canning it. It's gone. By the end of, I want to say, April. Wow. They're going to release their last few. I think they've got, they've got three more um, supplements and uh, a couple of more minis um, sets, and then they're done. They're, they're canning it. And the reason that they gave, and I know that this will come to as a shock to everyone because we know what a, a giving... And, uh, and generous person he is, they say that it's because of Lucas's um, uh, cost. The cost. The cost of licensing the Star Wars universe. Hmm. Ouch. I That's think they're lame. just avoiding having Jar Jar Binks as a character. Yeah. <laughs> In that case, I thank them. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, there's been way too much Binks bashing, guys. Oh, no, so there can't ever be enough. Wait, no, the, the, the really horrible thing is that I don't think that there's been a time since, I would say probably, as, well, as long as I can remember, maybe uh, maybe Dome can fill us in. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. what? I go back to the pre-Cambrian age? Is pre- that what we're saying? Well, no, but, but pre-80s. Uh, you know... <laughs> That is pre-Cambrian. What are you talking about? Shut up, you! Oh, my God, I'm getting... I remember episode four! Did you like that Ice Age? It was nice and cool, huh? Uh, uh, You know, I don't think there's been a time since the 80s when there hasn't been an active uh, Star Wars RPG go. I think you're right. And, and, you know, I was absolutely in love with the D20 system that was out years ago, uh, a few years ago, and then when they moved to Saga, I jumped on board with that right away. And uh, and a world without a Star Wars RPG is going to be a very bleak one, in my estimation. I, I get the feeling that somebody else is going to have to pick it up. It just, just can't sit there. But if I don't, Wizards, I don't know who could afford to. I mean, if Wizards being owned by Hasbro can't afford the licensing cost on it and make it a profitable prospect, I don't know which company would be able to. I mean, I know that I know that there's a lot of uh, cost cutting going on in the in the RPG business right now. Very much so. Uh, but it, that's one of those staples. I mean, uh, I, I'm wondering what else we're going to see drop in the next, you know, year or so that's going to alter the RPG, you know, fan base. Because I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends, only play Star Wars. Well, and wouldn't it be terrifying if George Lucas decided to produce it himself? That would be the most horrifying thing I could think of. <laughs> a, a Jar Jar Binks-centric version. There would be like a whole book based on Jar Jar. 
You know, you know. I once, I once was at a game shop and I saw that they had a whole bunch of minis, uh, Gungan soldier minis, and I bought a few, and then I melted them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, on behalf of the other Jar Jar Binks fan, because there's got to be another one somewhere, (laughs) somewhere out there. Her name is Mindy. She's eight now. I, no, you know, there's something to be said about Mindy. <laughs> now, I just, well, I just don't want to believe that you know Lucas is that foolish that uh, he's going to let this universe die. Honestly, well, I don't think, I don't think that. Uh, I think one thing that we done. as gamers have to remember is that is that. Role-playing games, for all that they're an important part to our entertainment, are such a very, very small part of the entertainment industry Mm. that, you know, even if no one makes another Star Wars RPG, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be video games and media tie-in novels and, you know, maybe new movies or MMOs or, you know, that sort of thing. Well, and that's true. And and unlike a lot of other entertainment venues... uh, Role-playing games are forever. You can always pick up a book and start playing. It's right. not yes. as though the system is going to go. You're, it's not like you're not going to be able to find dice. Right. All right, that Jess. Let me ask you: world. Where you're so engrossed in the industry, what are your favorite games that you're not actually involved with? Oh my goodness, that I'm not involved with. Well, that, um, that you're not like getting a paycheck out of. I mean. <laughs> wait, wait. You mean I'm supposed to get paid for this? <laughs> Um, I, I'm a, a big fan of, um, post-apocalyptic stuff. Um, I, I'm very much, um, a, a fan of a lot of the old stuff. I love the, I know there's a lot of GURPS haters out there, but I love the GURPS character creation <laughs> system because it allowed me, we played it a lot when I was first gaming and it really allowed me to, to create a character and tweak it to the nth degree, um, you know, by just spending points in different directions, um, you know, you could create characters that were really, really exactly what you were trying to make out of them. Um, I'm a big fan of Aftermath. I don't know if any of you guys have have played that. It's an old, uh, I think it's out of print now, but it was an old um, uh, post-apocalyptic style where you're kind of doing the the postman uh, Jeremiah stall, style crawling through what's left of civilization. Um, I'm a big fan of fairy tales. Um, uh, Phil Bracato's Deliria is pretty awesome in terms of uh, how it allows you to to explore those. Um, uh, let's see. Gosh, um, I haven't had a chance to play. Is it Mouse Quest that just came out? Ma- oh, Mouse, yes. Guard. Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Yes. Uh, I, I, I saw that at a lot of conventions this year, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but um, it looked really interesting. Um, gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, beyond, you know, above and beyond the, the White Wolf stuff. And, you know, really, I, uh, I get paid to to create it because, well, I love it. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan of the world of darkness. I like the, the sensual Gothic aspect of things and, uh, you know, the, the kind of modern world, but, you know, with a dark secret behind the curtain kind of stuff. And then there's changeling, which is and, awesome. Hey, 
Yes, and then there's Changeling, which is very much, you know, it, it's the real world with the dark stuff behind the curtain. It's one of the things that I love the most about Lost is it really is a, it's it's a very dark game. And depending upon who you've got running it and who you've got playing in it, it's, uh, it's you know, the, the original fairy tales weren't Disney-fied. They weren't, you oh, know, no. kids' stories. They were, they were horror, and, and I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, do you read fables at all? Oh, yes. Yes. In fact, I just picked up an, another episode of it that I hadn't had yet. I, I love fables. I love the man's art style and, and the, the story, re, um, the, the retelling. I, I love the repurposing of, of stories. Um, in fact, uh, it's kind of on hiatus at the moment, but I was working on a uh, graphic novel retelling of some oh. stories with a friend of mine named Rebecca Woods. She's a, a wonderful artist. Um, both of us have gotten very, very busy with other projects, but I still hope that someday In a Dark Wood will, will come to light because she's a fantastic artist, and uh, I, think, I think we had some really fun ideas on what to, what to do with, with the stories. There's some of the concept art on my website, um, which is www.jesshartley.com, and I think it's on the fiction section, although... Now that I'm saying that, I can't exactly remember. But um, yeah, I, anything to do with fairy tales, I'm 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 there. <laughs> What's your favorite fairy tale so far? Um, let's see. Gosh, that's like asking a mom to pick her favorite kid. <laughs> yes, um, it is. <laughs> but there always is a favorite. Um, I am a big fan of. Let's see. I like the traditional version of Cinderella with the stepsisters getting their eyes plucked out by the <laughs> doves as they're escorting their sister down the wedding aisle and the and the evil stepmother ending up, you know, nailed into a, a cask with nails in it. Nice. Um, big, big fan <laughs> of that. Uh, Bluebeard is is pretty awesome and the original version of uh of beauty Excuse and the me. Beast. Can I, I, I need to break in for just a minute yeah we have a winner awesome who won we have a winner mags the axe has mags. come up with bill cardle i know mags who's mags <laughs> Can you elaborate? It's Chili Billy Cardilly, actually. <laughs> Cardill, Bill Cardill. It's right in there, Chili Billy. Nice. Well, congratulations. Total. And then goes on to say his daughter starred in Day of the Dead. Just well, yeah, we kind of said that. <laughs> yeah, but he also named her Lori. Oh. That's right, it's Lori. Yep. So we have a winner. We'll be sending you off an email wow. uh, tomorrow. Does it say where he's from? No. <laughs> but we get... Then he can come get it. No, no. <laughs> well, well, it was from Pittsburgh. <laughs> it, 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 is it Mags the Axe who won? Yes, yes. Uh, he's a she. Um, that's Mags. And she is actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, one of the hosts of the podcast All Games Considered. No way. Excellent. Oh, I on, Mags. She is absolutely wonderful. Actually, Mags, if you're listening right now and you'd like to come on and say hi to us, um, 
add me as a contact, Kriana63, and we will get you on right now for the last five minutes of the show. <laughs> That's awesome. No, Mags and, and uh, Carol and Mark from All Games Considered are absolutely wonderful. It's a, it's a great, obviously, role-playing game-focused um, uh, podcast. Oh, that reminds me. Um, tonight is um, Saturday, January 30th, and which means that people have, and I, I hope you don't mind me commenting on your show for just a second, um, tomorrow, drivethroughrpg.com ends their Haiti relief process, um, their, their ah. fundraiser, and um, they have so far raised, gamers have raised through Drive Through RPG, $171,000 wow. that, that will be going to uh, Doctors Without Borders Very nice. Very nice. to promote um, help for the, the earthquake relief in Haiti. And there's, on their website, you can, um, there's ways that you can click, uh, with a click, you can donate $5, $10, or if you donate $20, you will receive a coupon for, I think it's $1,483 worth of uh, PDF RPG products, including Instant Antagonist, which is a product that I wrote, and we've, me and the publisher and the artist have all decided to donate that to part of the process. So, um, it's part of the $20 mega bundle. And I just, I, I'm so thrilled to see so many geeks and gamers coming out and supporting, um, an organization like doctors without borders because they're really, really doing some important things. So can you tell us that website again? Yes. It's www.drivethroughrpg. That's D R I V E T H R U. RPG.com, drive through RPG.com. All right. Well, Thank you. we better get this cast up tomorrow so that everyone can be <laughs> notified. Yes, because it, it only runs through January, uh, the end of January. So I believe that as of what, Monday is February 1st? Mm-hmm. That's right. So Monday it'll be it'll be gone. Um, but yeah, hundred and seventy one thousand dollars so far, which is just amazing. It's mind blowing. That's wonderful. Excellent. All right, I think it's the time where we thank our sponsors. Yes, indeed. Um, Art O'Callaghan, who kindly donated this uh, this week's trivia prize. And Art will hopefully thank see you. you at Boston Comic Con in April, March. One of those two. Uh, never. <laughs> and this is where we announce that Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con, where you can meet the cast of Sci-Fi Saturday Night this April 10th and 11th. Check out the guest list at uh, www.bostoncomiccon.com. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is also the official podcast of Comic Art House, your source for original comic book artwork. Go to comicarthouse.com for the best deals on your favorite artists. X, you should be on NPR. And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is also helped in part by our friends in Manchester at the beautiful... What's the name of that comic place? Uh, Double, Double Midnight. Time? Oh, Midnight, right. <laughs> and guys, I hope you're listening. And uh, on behalf of everybody here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night, Jess, thank you so much for coming by tonight. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, pleasure is all ours. 
<laughs> All right, so here's what we didn't get to tonight because you were so much fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, X, you had something about uh, Astro City? Oh, yeah, there's a new issue. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I had something about the new Birds of Prey series. It's a new series coming up again. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff happened. Good job. From the Alston Brighton Hellmouth, Hellmouth uh, Kriana Zombrarian. Thanks for joining us tonight. And from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manqueester, New Hampshire. X. Illustrator X and. The Dead Redhead. And from Erie, Indiana, Java. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Wonderful to be here, as always. I am the Dome saying, you know. If that thing in the sky looks like it's moving from left to right and back and forth, you really might just have something in your eye. Good night, everyone. Wait, wait. And, wait. And no, one, last, wait. one last shout out for next week's special episode, the All Philip oh. Dick episode. Good Lord. How with special that? guest, David Mack of, of the comic series Kabuki is going to be doing a new line of Marvel comic book adaptations of Philip K. Dick. And he will be in the studio with us. The virtual studio. The virtual studio, virtually. So virtually be there. And on that note, have a great night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.